Good morning. I've given up trying to figure out what's going on. That's a phrase I've heard said a number of times over the last few months. I've said it myself on a few occasions, I think. One of the markers of this season that we are in just now is uncertainty. Even to the point where politicians have felt forced to repeatedly acknowledge that in their communication to us, that they don't know what's coming and we don't know what's coming. After them and I think all of us having a number of times landed on and then spoken about certain hopes or expectations as to what might be coming and when there have been so many disappointments about the way things have worked out. Uh, when they haven't worked out like we had hoped that the result of this over time has been that we've ended up embracing a different posture, acknowledging that we don't really know what the next month will bring. And here's the question. When did we ever, at what point did we ever feel like we knew what was coming and why would we feel like that? I think for many of us, the reality is that over time, certain expectations grow, that we are in control over our day, over the resources that are available to us, over how we expect things to play out over the coming months, even perhaps over the coming years. You see, many of us, not all of us, and we'll, we'll come to look at that, but many of us live with a tremendous amount of freedom that we benefit on and we rely on many different internal and external resources day by day. So internal resources such as physical health and well-being. My heart keeps beating. My lungs keep breathing. Internal resources like a mind to think and to act, a, a capacity that we can have to order our lives in various ways. And we rely and we benefit from external resources, food and shelter and clothing and finances and so on. And we rely on these things without even thinking about it. And if we do that for long enough, day after day, month after month, year after year, maybe even decade after decade, we can come to believe that we are in control. But friends, we're dreaming. What we're really doing is sleepwalking through life. Sometimes numbed, sometimes fearful, but often seemingly completely at peace, feeling in control, when in reality we're anything but and what we need to do is to wake up. Our passage today in James chapter 4 is calling us to that. It's calling us to wake up and see the world as it truly is. I want to plead with you to hear the truth of God's word today. We will at some point wake up to the reality that we are not in control. And it is better to be lovingly awakened by God's truth then startled out of nowhere by some of what this world will throw at us. You see, breaking news notifications can grab us. A devastating appointment with the doctor can startle us. The sudden loss of a loved one can leave us breathless. 
the realisation suddenly or, or over time of hope lost can devastate us. Even losing a certain item that is precious to us can mess us up for a moment or maybe for a long time. Certainly, global pandemics and the devastation left in their wake can scream at us and shake us. But friend, only God in his love through the power of his Holy Spirit can lovingly, maybe even gently today, awaken us from our sleepwalking so that we can see what is true. This is the call of this passage. In verse 13 of James 4, it says, come now, come now. It says the same at the start of chapter 5. We're being shepherded here. We're being shown a better way. We're being led to a better path. Come now, you who say, verse 13, come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. You, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. You do not know what tomorrow will bring. Wake up, the passage is saying. Now, what's the issue here? Because on the face of it, there's nothing wrong with what is displayed here. Is there anything wrong with going to a particular town? No. Is there anything wrong with spending a year there or less or more than a year? No. Is there anything wrong with doing business or with making a profit? No, not at all. What is revealed here in verse 13 is a certain attitude. There is a flippancy and an arrogance in how this is communicated here in verse 13. When will we go? Today or tomorrow, just whenever. We'll, we'll choose a day and we'll go then. Um, where are we going to go? Ah, wherever we decide at that time. We'll just go to such and such a town. We'll, we'll, we'll choose. We'll figure it out at some point. Um, what will we do there? Well, we're going we're gonna to go into to business and we are going to make a profit. No question about it. We know what we are doing. And we'll just stay for as long as it takes for that to come about. A year should do it. And they're not only sort of making these presumptions, but they're, they're blabbing about it. Uh, James draws our attention to, they're not only doing these things, but the come now, come now is to those, who, those of you who say, making a big deal of it, telling everyone about this plan of yours. And here's the thing, the issue here is not actually the plan in and of itself. There's no problem with any of that. But there is a problem with the arrogant presumptuousness that all of this is soaked in. And this is confirmed for us in verse 16. It says, as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. And this passage is warning us against living like that. The arrogance of knowing we're going to do this and we'll do that and it'll work out like this. We're being warned here. The question is, why? What's, why are we being warned of this? What's the problem? The answer is in verse 14. Yet you do not know what tomorrow... Sorry. Sorry. I've got a new watch and apparently it's talking to me, which is a bit awkward. So let's see if, let's see if I can turn it off. I'm not stopping this recording. I'm not stopping this recording. I'm keeping going. <laughs> right, where was I? <laughs> the answer, we're being warned here to wake up. The, the question is why, and the answer is in verse 14. Let's go to verse 14. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. 
what is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. You do not know what tomorrow will bring. Don't act like you do. Don't sleepwalk through life acting like you're in control. You don't know what tomorrow will bring. What profound and difficult truth this is. And it is a truth that many in our church family could attest to. It's been getting warmer the last few days, isn't it? Here as I'm recording, it's a beautiful sunny day, but it's only a few weeks since it was bitterly cold. And we all know the steam that comes from our breath which we maybe are out walking at night, we see it maybe in the moonlight or something and the, the, the steam that comes, it's there for but a second and then it's gone. And God's word is highlighting to us here, this is your life. This is your life, it's a mist. Now crucially, we have to remember who this message is particularly targeted at. The focus is on here those who are living as if they are in control, as if God is irrelevant. Those living, as it puts in verse 16, in arrogance and evil. The point is that for those who embrace that, that type of worldview, life is like a mist. How deceived we can become. Even the longest, fullest, happiest life on this earth can be but a mist. Even if we just frame that, you know, through the, through the lens of the conventional wisdom of this age. Now, now, I know this is not the most encouraging message. Life is just a mist. Don't worry, this is not the gospel conclusion. Uh, this is the tough diagnosis. We will get to the cure, which brings the remedy. But, but this warning is stark and it should resonate with all of us, I think. We're just a mist. I mean, how many of us really are certain that we will be remembered into history? As you think about the, the millennia of history, if any of us are remembered for even 200 years, we'll be doing well. Not likely though, for most of us. A few people throughout history, uh, through the centuries, go down in history and are remembered and spoken of. But for almost all of us, we're a mist. And especially if we understand, as the Bible lays out for us, the perspective of eternity. If we believe the Bible, that the beginning and end are bound up only in the character of God himself, that he is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, then not only should my life be considered a mist, but this millennium is but a single frame in the epic cinematic story of God's love and God's beautiful character displayed in time past to time future and in this world indeed also. So when we think of this reality, the wisdom for us here in this passage, James, the letter of James is really a wisdom text. The wisdom is don't live arrogantly making all sorts of prognostications about what you're going to do and when you'll do it and how successful you'll be along the way. We are in and of ourselves just a mist. Just a mist. Now there's, there's one other slightly tangential aspect of this diagnosis that I do need to flag here because this section of James is particularly focused on those with wealth and power. That's made explicit from next week's passage in chapter 5, but we can also see it here this week. 
the, the, the challenge is aimed at those who trade, those who make profit, those who can choose for themselves where to go and how long to stay for. The, the warning of this passage is aimed at these people. You see, it is those who are wealthy, those in positions of comfort and privilege who most starkly need to be awakened and drawn away from the illusion that we are in control of our own destiny. You see, not every part of the world is so saturated in the self-sufficiency that we are here in Aberdeen. Not every socio-economic group, not every race, not every relational context, not every type of physical ability, not everyone has the same vast number of temptations that would lead us to fall into this trap of self-delusion. So we need to be alert to the ways that we, particularly in this culture in which we live, the dangers that we would fool ourselves into living as if we are in perfect control of our destiny. James is calling us to see, God through James is calling us to see that in and of ourself, life lived in its own strength, there's no lasting substance there, there's just a mist. And, and, and if we've had ears to hear. We have been invited over these last months to embrace this lesson in these days, have we not? We have realised across the world what many of our church family have known through their own devastating circumstances, that none of us are guaranteed a long, peaceful life. And even if we had, with the perspective of eternity, really it is but a mist. apart from the story of God. I grew up hearing the phrase, God willing, an awful lot. I was probably corrected a few times. If I said I was going to do this, I would, you know, maybe correct to say, God willing. <laughs> and at times this confused me and left me somewhat bemused. At times it made me amused. Uh, and then probably in my grumpier moments, it provoked self-righteous eye rolls. It seemed to kind of formulate Christianese to me. You know, why can we not just make a plan? Why do we always have to add on God willing to everything? Well, Martin, <laughs> because of the glory of verse 15. Look at verse 15. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. This is awesome. This is about living our lives under the beautiful canopy of the sovereignty of God. In fairness, my parents and others who I grew up with around that phrase, it was no throwaway line for them. It was said out of reverence and deference to God and his plans. You see, ultimately, the story of the scriptures is not you're just a mist. The warning here is for those who are living a certain way. The Bible is actually so clear that men and women are made out of the overflowing love and creativity of the heart of God. And he made them in his image, full of precious value and worth. And he made them for purpose and joy and fullness of life. And he made them to live in freedom. Sorry. Sorry, there's another device, a different one speaking to us now. Dear me. God made us for, for fullness of life and he made us to live with freedom within the context of his lordship and reign. And this is what verse 15 is inviting us into. Freedom 
in the will of God. Now, we are touching on eternal mystery here. You know, you might say freedom in the will of God. That sounds like a paradox. Am I free or am I living in the will of God? Well, yes. <laughs> and the Bible does repeatedly make clear that God is sovereign. There is nothing that happens by accident out with his control. And the Bible also affirms that we have freedom to live within the plan, within the will of God, or to push against and away from what God has for us. And what I love about this verse is it's inviting us into the beautiful mystery of freedom in the will of God. Did you notice how it's worded? I'll read it again. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. It's got almost the same vibe as verse 12. Remember, today or tomorrow, we'll go into such and such a town. Verse 15 is saying, God willing, we will live and we will do this or that. <laughs> we'll have freedom. This is what happens when we follow God's will. When we, we live with the posture day by day of, God, show me what you want from me. God, I want to honour you today. When we pray as Jesus taught us to, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we, we pray like that and then we are to live <laughs> and do this and that, we're free. We're free within the will of God. There's a provocative little phrase, a stirring little phrase that is sometimes used to sum up what the Christian life is to be about. Sometimes it's attributed to the early church father, Augustine, but there's some difficulties there. But it's asking the question, what does Christianity look like? What is Christianity all about? And the answer comes like this. Love God and do what you want. Love God and do what you want. That's what Christianity is about. Now, you, you could have a debate about the wisdom of that phrase. It probably fits some characters, context, circumstances more than others. So you've got to, I think you do need to be a bit careful because it's not quite as simple as that. There is, there is a whole Bible that lays out what life is all about. But I actually, there's a lot about that phrase that I love. Love God and do what you want. <laughs> the point is this, if you're truly loving God, you're seeking his honour, his will, his purposes... If you're truly loving God, you're abandoning your selfish desires. You're living for God's glory, not your own. You're living for, for, for God and also for others, the others that God have called you to love. That's what it means to love God. So, so love God and then, as it puts it in verse 15, live and, and do this or that. Live in freedom. This is freedom and joy, dear friends. But it's not always easy. It's not always easy living by God's will. One of our church family told me once of a really nice holiday that they had booked and how over time they just sensed as God was speaking to them that it wasn't right for them. It wasn't God's heart for them and they knew they had to cancel the holiday. There was no particular external reason for that at all. They just knew it wasn't of God. They didn't have a peace about it. And they knew there was no joy or peace or contentment found in, in a holiday that wasn't in God's will. That is radical. But actually, it's just normal Christianity. Loving God and doing what you want. Cancelling holidays with joy if it's not in God's plan and preferring instead the call to love others and to prefer the needs of others over 
our own. See, there, the challenge there is there is a closeness of communion with God which is required if we are to live like that. We don't get that type of overflow of God's abundant life and wisdom with just a one-hour church connection every few weeks or something like that. These are confusing and challenging times, but don't despair. Life is fleeting. It's true, we don't know what is coming this afternoon, tomorrow. But don't numb yourself and end up sleepwalking through this life, either as if it's a nightmare or an arrogance on the other side, an arrogance and presumptuousness. I mean, how we can already see the inclination towards this as folk look forward to the opening up of society. The whole tone is, we'll be free to do whatever we want again. Please, God, no, keep us from that. The scriptures call us to a different way. The question in verse 14 today is, what is your life? What is your life? It's not just a mist. It is if you live a certain way, but, but friend, through the kindness of God offered to us in Jesus and all he has done, we're invited to wake up and to know freedom in God's will. Under the beautiful, safe canopy of his sovereignty, his lordship, in that place running free living in his love, sharing the abundance of that love with others, all for the honour of his name. May God awaken us to the wonder of freedom, life, joy, peace under in the will of God. God bless you.